What's up everyone, welcome to the Bristol Youth Work Podcast, brought to you in partnership with Muller's Bristol and the Bristol Youth Ministry Network. This podcast looks at the issues which define and divide our society, how those things impact the lives of young people and what effect that has on our youth work. Today I have the privilege of chatting to Emma Duncan. We're going to be talking about mental health and well-being and young people. Emma is a learning mentor at a local secondary school. Uh, she's a tutor for network counselling and she's got bucket loads of youth work experience. So Emma is a great person to talk to you about how we can better support young people with their mental health and their well-being. We chat about some of the issues that have arisen out of the lockdown and the pandemic, what signs and symptoms we can look for in young people that we in the lives of and how we can best support them as well as looking after ourselves. So enjoy this conversation with Emma Duncan about young people, mental health and well-being. Emma, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, first and foremost, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm all right, thanks. Um, I've got the heating on and feeling quite toasty. I like this time of year. I like the autumn. Yeah, it feels yeah. like it's jumped straight from autumn to winter in about the last few days. Yeah, it's pretty cold. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was saying to Emma beforehand that I've got my hat and jacket all on, um, inspired by... <laughs> climate and all that to try and reduce the heating the reality is i've got the radiator there that if it comes on it will start making a noise i've turned this radiator off all the other radiators in my flat are on so, <laughs> so that when we're done i'll be warm <laughs> uh, anyways thank you again for uh, joining us today to share about supporting young people with their mental health and well-being i wonder if you could just start off by describing who you are what you do um kind of professionally and otherwise yeah, sure. Um, my name's Emma. I'm originally from Northern Ireland. Um, I've been in Bristol 22 years, so that's quite a long time. And I currently work, I've got a couple of different jobs. So I work for um, Redcliffe Sixth Form as a learning mentor, which is mostly about 80% of what I do there is sort of mental health related. Uh, and I train counsellors at Network and I am also a counsellor in private practice. Um, and I've been doing youth work for about 24 years often on in various capacities so I've done done a, and a lot of my private practices also with young people very cool and uh it's a, a joy to say that you're someone I can spend a fair bit of time with we worship together in various forms and have done for a little while I still don't think I know or if I did know I've forgotten how did you end up coming to Bristol in the first place from Northern Ireland I uh, did the CUIM youth work Youth and Community Work and Applied Theology degree at um, Bristol Baptist College, but I had actually applied to do it in Oxford and I came over with my mum on the airplane. And when we landed in Bristol, I had this absolute, 100% sure feeling, I have to come to Bristol, This I need to do this here, just new, I was like, obviously I would attribute that as a God thing. Um, and my mum was like, okay, don't do anything rash have the interview, see how it goes, and we can talk about it, you know. We, uh, the reason I applied to Oxford was because it was run by Youth for Christ, and my dad was worked for Youth for Christ all my life, so I, I applied to go there. Anyway, I went straight into the interview and said, can I change my option to here? They said yes, and when I came out, my mum said, you did it, didn't you? I was like, yeah. <laughs> so that's how I ended up here. Um, it was, I, there are only two or three other times in my life when I've known something to that level of assurance, like 
that was it was just yeah without a shadow of a doubt I knew that I needed to be here wicked and how did you well how did you get into youth work and working with young people what made you want to do that to start with um, the church that I grew up in was a Baptist church and it was really active in the community and we had a big council estate opposite our church that was full of um, Protestant kids who were involved in paramilitary um, exploits in, in, even in our tiny town and so when I was probably 15, 16 uh, I started getting to know some of them in the town and um, decided that I'd like to do some kind of thing for them regularly to get to know them more and get them involved in church stuff so um set up actually the, the summer when i the summer i turned 16 i did a two-week mission um with a whole bunch of other young people with youth for christ and then set up the uh, drop-in after that in our town um which then morphed into a bunch of like loads of other things um, and i just just always loved working with people kind of a bit on the margins or who were a bit um so I've worked there, I've worked in the Young Offenders, um, like Maximum Security Young Offenders, I've worked with 125, um, and so just sort of always been drawn to, um, I don't really know how to describe that, but I guess people who are thought of poorly um, mm. in one way or another, um, and just like the sort of dynamics of youth work, like that they're kind of in that, formative stage where you can there there is an op, there is more a chance i guess that things can change or you know life lives can be set on a different trajectory yeah yeah absolutely wow and at what point did you then um start getting involved at redcliffe doing what you're doing now and what does that look like for you kind of week by week yeah um, so when I left on T5 in 2008 and took an adult gap year, went travelling, <laughs> and when I got back, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I knew I sort of needed a bit of um, extra training or I wanted to do something different. So I retrained as a counsellor, therapist at that stage. And while I did that, I worked in Redcliffe as an LSA, so just um, doing learning support in class. Um, and then just when I finished my training, a job came up in sick form, working um, more one to one. Um, it's called Learning Mentor, but a lot, as I said, a lot of what we do is sort of mental health support. Um, and so I've been there since 2000, I think February 2013, I started wow. in sick form. Day to day, that looks like between five and ten sessions a day with different young people looking at things as diverse as sexual health sexual consent um right through to study skills and organization motivation discipline um, and absolutely everything in between anything that they so sort of any barrier to learning is part of our job to remove in some way to help them with that and is it as intense as that sounds <laughs> Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Some. I think the first term of this year is probably the most intense it has ever been. And um, so we have a system called CPOMS, which is where we record any safeguarding concerns in school, and they get passed between schools. So if a student comes to us from a different school, their CPOMS file will transfer over. And I, this last year, in the whole year, I got fifteen CPOMS alerts, um, and in the first term of this year, I got fifty-four. So it was a super intense term, just lots and lots of pretty heavy safeguarding issues 
but there are other times when it is absolutely joyful um and so it, it balances like all right for me um I wouldn't I don't know I would like it if every term was as intense as last term so this term has has been pretty okay so far I think I've had one CPOMs alert so far this term so um that's been just a real uh yeah that's been nice to, for that to have calmed down a bit Today we're thinking primarily about kind of supporting young people with their well-being, their mental health. Um, and there's been a lot said about mental health of young people and children in the news as uh, kind of over lockdown over this pandemic. Politicians are using it as um, kind of bargaining chips for doing X or Y. Um, parents, concerned communities within the church. There's been lots of conversation as someone working on the front line uh, with people young people day to day, what impact have you seen these past couple of years having on the mental health of young people and children? Yeah, uh, well, I I don't I could definitely can't comment on children because I only work with 16 to 18 year olds in sick form. Um, and I would say I've probably seen it's about as individual as as many individuals as you can have. Um, I wouldn't say that it has had that I can see um, one kind of overarching narrative yet. So that may emerge. Um, I think we're still very much in the early days of figuring out what this has all meant. But in the kind of very immediate aftermath, there were all sorts of things from students who really thrived because they have a nice home setting and they enjoyed independent learning and felt like they really got on with that and enjoyed hanging out with their family and had a bit more space and time uh, to students who now are struggling with social anxiety because they had so much time away that now being in a you know there's 750 students in sixth form so and it's quite a small building so the kind of overwhelm of massive crowds and also any student who had any kind of propensity for OCD or those kind of things that has really shot through the roof because um, if that was to do with germs obviously this is uh, kind of that you know all around us kind of um, feeling of anxiety and worry about what that might be like and mm. honestly just so many things higher levels of depression and anxiety lower levels of motivation and um, higher levels of drug use um much more eating disorders so lots of people who felt like covid was something that felt like it span out of control so if you have again if that if you have an issue with that and the way that you control that is by controlling your eating we've seen lots more eating disorders we've seen um boys who are now they spend a lot of time at home and there wasn't really anything to do apart from kind of exercise so now that's become a bit of an obsession so rather than that just being something that's good for you because the kind of um i'm thinking of one in particular so they're kind of football life was taken away and now they are they could only do stuff by themselves and so the kind of obsessional side of that has kicked in where that's no longer a team sport for the fun of football but that is something that now if they don't do it for two and a half hours a day really you know they can't function outside of that so so varied so varied sure yeah yeah it, it strikes me as you say about kind of the lack of control for some people is such an important thing um, and that was for so many of us, we were in a situation where, yeah, we, we couldn't control anything. We couldn't control decisions being made, our own circumstances, um, maybe within your own kind of home environment. Um, but as you say, there are only a few, well, there are some for who that's 
a safe and happy place. There are many for whom that's a really challenging space. What, uh, what practically have you noticed in students? If you have noticed anything at all, um, as they kind of return to school, is there, is there kind of a relearning of what it is to be kind of socially interactive and to be engaging in learning again in a kind of a meaningful way? Um, is there, yeah, is there a stage we're going through now? And if so, what does that, what does that look like uh, from your perspective? Yeah, for sure. For some, again, I think it's so varied. So we've got some who were just champing at the bit to get back, couldn't wait to socialise, actually couldn't wait to get back on track with having a schedule, having um, routine, having, um, you know, studies. Uh, some are really, you know, excited by that and some are struggling to get out of bed struggling to come in not engaging with learning um also there was those um so that the students that we have now um their their whole GCSEs and everything were all upset so Mm. they've actually never really learned study skills because um, our year 13s didn't do their GCSEs. That was like the March before when the pandemic hit. So they just got kind of made upgrades last year's and they did. Uh, so the year 12s that we have now, they mostly did kind of assessments in school. So kind of still not quite the, the same thing. So we've got a whole cohort in sixth form at the minute who've, who've not really learned about independent learning. So that, you know, that's, that's not really, um, that causes a great deal of anxiety for lots of students and again low levels of motivation because they just feel um it's all a bit much it's overwhelming the amount of work they have to do and there doesn't seem to be any kind of thinking around how do we compensate for that as an education system so they're still under the same amount of pressure they're still expecting to get the same exam results and yet they've had this like two full years of really interrupted education so that causes major levels of anxiety and either anxiety or disengagement I would say are the two ends of the spectrum and then everything in between. Um, In a really practical way can you give us any kind of signs or symptoms to look out for uh, any young people things to be aware of at the moment um that a young person might be in need of some particular support? Um, I think for me, some of that is about noticing changes. So um, any young person who before would have been really socially able and keen to get involved with things, who's now on the sidelines or not coming to things as much. So a change in behaviour or a young person who um, is um, sort of more angry than they used to be or more, I don't know. So I think the first thing would be changes and anything that seems different about a young person is worth asking about, isn't it? So it may be that that is actually a really positive change for them. So the the lockdown might have had a positive impact in some way or they might attribute it to that in some way. Um, But a change is always worth investigating. So um, I would always be asking, hey, I've I've noticed this about you and that's, uh, I just wanted to ask, you know, can you you tell me a bit about that? So I'd I'd want to be asking about any changes. I think any kind of um, obsessional things, so that could be exercise or food, but it could also be um, going out or 
safety or lots of different things so anything that seems kind of obsessional where they have got very fixed ideas of of what they might need to do or how things might need to look or seem so I think those are some of the things again that's kind of sometimes around that idea of control so when everything feels out of control sometimes those little obsessions um, can help us feel like we are managing things um, better but again, that's worth a conversation, isn't it? Because how much were we in control really beforehand? Um, but yeah. it, it, we like predictability and this was such an unpredictable thing that I think that's kind of knocked people's sense of safety. Um, I think um, there's a lot of kind of low level depression around because there's a loss. What we haven't quite, I think acknowledge the collective sense of loss loss of time experiences social relationships education um freedom security safety predictability all of those things so you add all of that up together and that's actually a really really big amount of loss and I think we aren't always good at acknowledging that that's what it is we sort of just keep going and you know hope that everything is okay but really there's been such a lot of loss in that time that I think we need to be acknowledging that especially for young people who can't who maybe don't have language for that don't haven't really thought about the things that they lost sometimes articulating those and and feeling sad about it is okay and I wonder if some of what we're seeing is linked to that amount of loss um and maybe all of us have, have felt that, um, but I think young people especially lose lose that. Um, the social side of things is so important for their development, and I think having lost that has been quite a big, big thing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think there's... It's, a, it's an age at which there's so many kind of rites of passage that do help on the journey of kind of maturity and as you say social development personal development um and you mentioned earlier about the exams being cancelled and people not having had that time where they needed to learn to kind of study independently or schedule uh, revision timetable type stuff and i remember talking to young people who yeah were either going from year six into year seven or from year 11 into year 12 or, or leaving college and the, the lack of opportunity to kind of celebrate or to finish, um, I think it had a quite profound effect on young people uh, who, mm. yeah, still just trying to catch up with, oh, yeah, I was, when I was last regularly in school uh, at primary school and now I'm in year eight, looking to year nine and my options is they're talking about GCSEs already and they haven't, they haven't developed internally at the same rate as they might have done. Yeah, yeah. And they and they haven't didn't get to do, like you said, those rites of passages where you say goodbye to all of that old stuff and really kind of sink into the idea of I'm leaving this behind. And, you know, schools and other places are quite good at sort of marking all of those occasions and making that quite a big deal. And you get your leavers hoodie and you have a leavers disco and you do, you know, we have a year yeah. 13 ball and all of those things. And when you miss all of that and there isn't a chance to kind of go through those collective endings with each other and sort of almost be forced to talk about that and kind of process it again that sense of loss just is there but kind of not really anything is happening with it so yeah those those rites of passage I think are massively missing 
Mm. We have, I actually think we have relatively few in our culture. Uh, you know, if you look at other cultures, there are so many more, um, so very, I guess, more formalized rites of passage. So I think those are the ones that we do have are so essential. Yeah, absolutely. Now, as well as being um, a kind of professional in the field and actively working with both adults and young people around mental health, uh, you're also a, a Christian and involved in church for many, many years. Um, so from that perspective, I wonder what you think, what role the church or Christians in general could play in supporting young people um, with their mental health? How, I mean, the church has got a very varied history and approaches to, to mental health. Um, periods of time where the school of thought was much less healthy than potentially it is now. Uh, we seem to be much more aware increasingly that, um, yeah, for those of us attached to churches, whether that's in a professional sense or otherwise, what do you think is either our role or an opportunity that we might have? I think our role is to love people. Um, and I don't think that changes regardless of their physical, mental or spiritual health. I think that's always our role. And I think, um, but obviously that's really broad, isn't it? Not a very helpful answer. Um, <laughs> but I think a lot of what they, a lot of our, um, a lot of mental health issues are caused by people feeling unloved. So unheard, unvalidated, un acceptable, um, um, invited, um, lonely, isolated, um, not knowing what to do, not having role models to know what how to deal with grief and loss or um, transition or changes or any of those things. And I think one of the things that as church we have such a, an opportunity to do is to love people and to be the most I don't think this is our reputation, but to be the most accepting, the most valuing, the most um, life affirming, the most, um, you know, welcoming and wonderful place that people could be. Um, that's a massive opportunity. The most, you know, where people can not feel isolated or lonely, where people cannot feel unacceptable or judged, but actually feel loved and really treasured and valued and, and wanted. I think that's so key and I think part of the reason why counsellors are just overwhelmed with work is because we don't have those communities where we have the ability to process that we've become really individualistic on a kind of generalized societal level we're pretty individual and we think I just need to cope with this or you know I, I deal with everything sort of quite small whereas used to be that you would go to the church or there would be collective wisdom or we would you know accept that there were other people who'd been through similar things and we'd have a much broader community to 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 talk to you about things or or you know priests or leaders or whoever that we kind of were seen as people that you could go to if you had um things to talk about and I think we can be that again we can be the people who uh you know our youth turn to if they are struggling yeah, so I think what an opportunity to tell people that they're loved. At the end of the year, every year, I do an assembly in school called You Are Loved. And I get the teachers because um, uh, in sixth form, we've got about 22 tutors. So they know their tutor group pretty well by the end of sixth form. So I get them all to write um, specific things about their tutor group um, that they love. Um, and I talk to them all. I talk to all the tutors as a kind of uh, as a 
as a group and say how would we characterize give me four words that would characterize this year group so then we when it's an assembly we put up all these banners you know that that give all the words um, and then I put up a rolling kind of banner a rolling sort of powerpoint thing of all the teachers comments and and um, all the things they've said and some of them are funny and some of them are you know so heartfelt and then I get some of the teachers up to talk to the kids about like this is what we love about you this is you know you you've been seen you have been loved and it is honestly so like powerful and yeah. um, just being able to tell them this is what we've seen in you this is what we love in you this is why you are amazing these are the things that we can see in you and it's really it's a wonderful opportunity and it feels so weird and that, <laughs> that makes me sad every year that it feels weird that we you know get that opportunity and the kids are always a bit like oh like <laughs> you know some of them are like shrinking into themselves trying to shrivel into the ground because it just kind of feels a bit awkward but also they're massively impacted by it that sense of we want you to know that we're so proud of you we're so proud of who you've become and what you've done over these years and we pick out a bunch of things obviously some of them have been an absolute nightmare <laughs> and and there are probably things that we could say about the year group that have you know the less you know excessively positive attributes but we've done enough of that as the year has gone on and having that opportunity to say you are loved you are amazing this is why we love you feels so privileged to do that and as the church I feel like you know we get to do that a lot that's more common and we get to do that more and maybe yeah I feel like that's part of our job yeah absolutely just finally then uh, and and that already was kind of leading into it in, in my eyes I wonder if you got any advice for, for us as a group of youth workers, people involved in the lives of young people, um, how can we, what can we do to best support young people with their, their mental health and wellbeing? Um, yeah, is there anything, either just kind of advice and wisdom or any practical resources that you can share? Hmm. I think um, there's a few things. I think the first thing is, is just a, a real keep, keep perspective I think I lost that a bit when I was doing youth work I worked for church for well ages um <laughs> in various capacities and I find it hard to boundary myself because is it church is it work is it life uh, where where is the distinction and it can become really overwhelming and especially if young people are struggling that can be so um sad and hard and feel very kind of all consuming so I think the first thing would be keep perspective if you think I, I sometimes think about um it's going to the moon <laughs> which on earth if you get them just a few centimeters in the wrong trajectory they will miss the moon by millions of miles <laughs> um so I sometimes think about a young person and I think about their trajectory and I think if I can just even slightly change that 10 years from now, they'll be in a completely different place than they would have been. I don't need to do all of the work of the next 10 years or the next 10 minutes, but I do need somehow to communicate to them some kind of value, some kind of worth, some kind of understanding that they are so loved and something, you know, I need to communicate that in some way that might just 
knock their trajectory a tiny bit that I can't even see now, but years from now, that will have an impact. So I think keep perspective. Um, I think know your limitations um, and know what is around you in your locality that you can refer people into. So I'm my mental health practitioner. When I was a youth worker, I did so much stuff and um, that probably wasn't that helpful because I just I wasn't a mental. I didn't understand it as much as I do now. And I was doing my absolute best, but I also was really overwhelmed. And so I think know the services that are around you that you can refer people into and don't be afraid to do that. You know, you don't, we don't have to do everything. Know what's around. Um, and I think make sure you have lots of support would be my other thing. <laughs> um, youth work is like such a great it can be so fun and it can be so hard and I think we need lots of support and community around us to like have any longevity I think that's what I find was that without that people burn out real quick Mm. because it's a lot isn't it young people are there's a lot going on yeah yeah that's so good Amazing. Emma, thank you so much for all you've shared. Um, yeah, and we'll be praying for you and yeah, your work and your impact on young people. It's evident you're doing amazing things with them. So um, looking forward to hearing how that's all going and <laughs> hoping that this next term to Christmas keeps being a reasonable level for you. This is normally our busiest term, so I feel a bit worried. <laughs> no, I don't feel worried. I feel a bit like, oh, what is coming? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Well, thank you again. Absolute pleasure.